0: Hello, this is Matt Merrill, the worship pastor here at Glen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, August 14th, 2022. Hey, everybody, I'm John Vanderveld.
1: Hi,
2: I'm Simone Halpin. And I'm Kelly Brady, and this is the Next Level Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Welcome back. Hello. Mm -hmm. Two weeks off. You know, Matt, you said we're going to answer questions from August fourteenth, but I think we're actually going to go back three weeks, aren't we? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we have John's preach
0: from last week and Grant's from the week before. Yeah. So because we took a couple weeks off. Lots of good stuff. Yeah, I was thinking in the past two weeks. (laughs) Yes, that's right. This Sunday. (laughs) Give credit where credit is due. (laughs) That was implied. Uh, I was thinking about did we. Did we once take a whole summer off? Yeah, we last did. summer. Was that last summer yeah. where we just took the whole yeah, summer off? Yeah, Kelly was on sabbatical. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's why. Yeah. Okay.
2: How was that experience? It was a great, great was summer. It? Right. It was very good.
1: <laughs> last year or this year? I'm confused. <laughs> you, last last, year. last summer. Yeah, you took the yeah. kind of sabbatical.
3: 2021. In the year of our Lord. <laughs> 2021. It all hit. blends together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was nice to have a couple weeks off and just clear the head and clear the mind come back and fire away right yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. yeah anybody uh have fun in the last couple weeks yeah <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> <laughs> nope
3: <laughs> questions
2: <laughs> Sharon I had fun we went away for vacation spent some time on the beach read books um so my favorite one of my favorite historians named Candace Millard has a new book and she she writes um history and she has a book about the discovery of the headwaters of the Nile and just what go went into discovery it's the first time the Europeans visited the headwaters (laughs) of the Nile so um, Mr. Livingston I presume uh, that that is the genre that is the era and it's a it's a fascinating read about how Europeans uh, pushed their way into Africa and uh, just the experiences they had so that was me yeah how about you how about y'all?
1: Also spent some time on the beach. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> it's so great. I just the ocean's very therapeutic for me. Yeah. had I mean me a good too. time. Yeah. Where where'd you go? We were in the panhandle of Florida. Like oh cool. Thirty eight oh, nice. area. Yeah. Yeah. Us and the rest of the country.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> That's a great the white sandy beach mm-hmm. is there. Mm-hmm. Love it. That's yeah. where we go. Where yeah. where specifically water
1: what? sound.
0: Water sound. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Is that near watercolor and mm-hmm. in, in that area mm-hmm. down there, right? It yeah. is yep. beautiful, beautiful yep. area.
1: Yep, not too shabby. Yeah, it was great. Nice. Yeah. I,
0: I put a play set together.
1: You did. I did. You, you did. You bought one, we like a new one. Pulled the trigger. Okay. God
0: often answers prayers through grandparents. <laughs> did you guys know that? <laughs> well, I, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: My parents bought the one that you looked at. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And then there you go. Your,
1: got a new one. Good yeah. for you. You won't regret it.
0: Yeah, man. It took a while to put it together. It's right. giant. I live across the street from you that. And can I you can see it. you can see it. it right? <laughs> oh, yeah, you can. You can probably see it from your house. Can't you? It's above his roof line. It, it almost is. That's <laughs> amazing. It's almost Good illegal. Kids yeah. love it. Oh, my gosh. It's already been worth it. Like That's awesome. I think every kid on the block has been up on that thing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. John, you just ready to get into it? John just works. I just, <laughs> just I worked. worked Two <laughs> sermons. Grind, grind, grind. <laughs> I went to Milwaukee.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Twice. Uh, has has we we like, actually, we went like six times. Or as the, the end natives end say, Milwaukee? Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Wyatt had back-to-back weekend AAU basketball tournaments. and Oh, cool. It's, Milwaukee is one of those places that it's like too far to comfortably like feel like you're just going to drive there real quick, but too close to be like, yeah, let's get a $200 a night hotel room. Right. Because you're like, yeah, I can just go home. Yes. And but the there's all sorts of construction traffic. It's an
2: awkward distance. It's just a
3: weird. Yeah. But we laughed every single time because everybody from Illinois is coming from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. You know, weekend vacations, whatever. And all the gas stations on the border are completely full of Illinois cars. Everybody's topping off because the gas was like. It was under four dollars. This was a number of weeks ago, you know. So it was like three, I think the cheapest we got was like 390 something, 391 or something like that. Yeah, but then right across the border, it's like 564 something (gasps) like that. You're like, this is this is crazy. So,
0: but yeah, we had had a good summer. That's fun. Last time we were in Milwaukee, it was for a Monster Jam event. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer actually went, it was awesome. It was awesome. We went from, uh, should we be here to, oh man, that double barrel roll with the uh, donut combo, that was clean. That was clean. <laughs> we went from that to that in about five oh seconds. Yeah. It was awesome. Uh, all right, let's get into some questions. First one, and this is from Grant's sermon from two weeks ago. I appreciated Grant's explanation of the passage, especially in terms of destroy versus removing their influence. It makes a lot of sense. But what about 1 Samuel 15? What do you say to the guy at Blackberry Market when he has a problem with what unfolds in 1 Samuel 15? Can you give us some context
2: on 1 Samuel 15? Well, Grant's not here, so we'll do our best to answer for him. (laughs) So uh, Grant preached on Deuteronomy 7, which was basically a charge to the Israelites to go into the land and take over the land to conquer the peoples there. Chapter seven, verse two uses the words, totally destroy the inhabitants of Canaan. So it's Deuteronomy seven, two, and those words totally destroy are, uh, from a Greek word, uh, that I will pronounce as harem, H-A-R-A-M. You mean a Hebrew word. Yeah, I'm sorry, Hebrew word, <laughs> H-A-R-A-M. And um, Grant argued that there's a range of meaning for this word, and it, the range of meaning could go from actually, as it says, totally destroy, meaning annihilate, uh, kill all, all the living folks, to um, removing their influence, uh, destroying them to a, to a place or a point that their culture is no longer an influence in the promised land. He, he, his point was not Deuteronomy 7 doesn't, as you read it, require that we consider, and in fact, not everybody in the promised land was wiped out. We know that. Um, so his point was simply that, that it doesn't require, the grammar doesn't require that everybody be killed. So when we read totally destroy uh, we need to understand there's a range of meaning the question asker asked about for samuel 15 and it's a chapter fast forward into the monarchy period of israel they're in the promised land saul is the first king and he disobeys god he's told to utterly destroy and it's the same word harem, the amalekites he doesn't do it and and Samuel, the prophet, walks in and says, because you didn't do it, you literally didn't kill everybody, uh, the kingdom is no longer yours. And you're going, so God condemns Saul's disobedience, and it appears that God actually expected that everybody be killed. So what is, and so the question asker, I think here is asking, asking, what are we to make of 1 Samuel 15? Yeah. What, what is uh, our, to be our understanding of this Hebrew word? So here's what I would say. First of all, there's a range of meaning for for Greek, uh, Hebrew grammar and Greek grammar. I keep saying Greek. For Hebrew grammar, um, the range of meaning means you have to consider the context. And the contexts are very different in uh, Deuteronomy 7 and 1 Samuel 15. Um, so the Amalekites have a long history of persecuting the Israelites by the time you get to 1 Samuel 15. And, and I... I do in fact think the expectation, the plainest reading of the scripture for Samuel 15, is that God expected everybody to be put to death. There's just no way around that. Yep. He was bringing judgment against the Amalekites for their mistreatment of Israel. Mm-hmm. And he wanted Israel, he wanted uh, Saul to bring this judgment upon them. Saul failed to do so. So the expectation was that they'd be utterly destroyed. And. You know, there was some pushback on Grant's sermon. And I, I think it's, it's great to have some pushback um, because we need to wrestle with the text. Um, we need to understand that uh, things like context is king and we need to, there are nuanced interpretations that, are, that add value to our understanding of who God is. So here's what I would say. I would say that there's no two ways around it. God used Israel to judge the nations of Canaan, which included putting to death Canaanites, and in some cases, like Jericho, utterly destroying the inhabitants of the cities. And then in other cases, it, it was a lesser, that's uh, not a required, it was uh, contextually, in fact, we know that not all Canaanites were utterly destroyed. Um, in fact, if you read in the same chapter, chapter seven, we're told that it will be a slope. Process in which the Israelites take over Canaan, um, lest the wild animals <laughs> uh, be unruly anyway. So um, there's no two ways about it. God used Israel to judge the Canaanites, which included putting to death men, women, and children in some cases. In other cases, that is not what happened, um, and it was not what was expected to have happened, but rather their their influence was to be removed. What do you guys think? Well, (laughs) I mean, let's. I think think some
0: of the pushback happens when people start to think that we may be trying to water down or soften. And and from what you're saying, it's not the case at all because you're acknowledging that, nope, there's other parts where it does mean other to destroy. I think also this is a. perfect example of um why it's important to read different translations (laughs) Mm -hmm. and not it we're 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 going not only are we going from another language to english but we're going from another language a long time ago Mm -hmm. to english and so it's just not Mm -hmm. yeah it's just just, there's so many complexities to bringing this into modern day english um but i I, can we talk about the reason behind the reason here because you know, at the end, this question asker is like, you know, to the guy at Blackberry Market, what do you say mm-hmm. about like First Samuel 15? I assume that to mean, what do you say to the guy that you're meeting with, the person you're meeting with, who you're trying to share Christ with? And he brings up, well, how can yeah. Christ be about love if you're saying Christ is God and God is Jesus? And, and, and then look at, but he wipes out men, women, and children. How can a loving God do that, yeah, right? It's That's, hard to reconcile. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> how do you guys approach that?
1: Oh, I thought you were about to answer it. I was waiting. No, I'm asking (laughs) asking a question.
3: The the danger in how we answer that question is, one, is we try to give God a pass, where we say, we try to explain away all of it in a way that just says... Makes us comfortable. Yeah, that that says, no, it's not really, you know, it's a mistranslation or it's this, 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 you know, all these other things. Um, The other side of it is to say, you know, those who are who are critics of, of God would say, yeah, he's a, he committed genocide. We, we make God too harsh by saying, no, this is exactly what happened. This is how he did it. And, you know, and, and of course he's not loving, you know, there's two kind of far ends of the, the spectrum, right? Where truth is, uh, somewhere in the, in the middle Mm -hmm. of that scenario, right? Where clearly God asks and, and ask the Israelites and people throughout biblical account to do really hard, horrific things in in his judgment. And man, that's, those are really, really hard. How those fit in our modern context is difficult because we don't have that same context. We're not building a nation of people in the midst of A land full of Canaanites who are full of all kinds of debauchery that we just we can't even wrap our minds around. So there's things that are going on contextually. God is asking for hard things, but the reason he's doing he's not asking the same thing of of nations Mm -hmm. today. He's not commanding the same thing. Israel was unique. Israel was unique in a unique scenario, a unique time. In a unique way of judging nations and and fulfilling his covenants and building a nation that doesn't feel great to apply to our modern context today. And some may say, well, you're giving God a pass. Well, that's how I see it. I mean, Deuteronomy is written in a form that's very similar to most Near East ancient texts. It's full of lots of descriptions and lots of war story and things like that that help one understand the power of of God, mm-hmm. and and um, is it a a prescription for how a nation should operate today? Absolutely not. No nation should take Deuteronomy and say, if we want to conquer and have God on our side, we should do it just like this. That's not what Deuteronomy's for. Deuteronomy's an, a description of the beautiful faithfulness of God to a people that he called out and he promised that he would give this land and then the demand of righteousness on their lives. But... I should also say, uh,
2: he waited 400 years. We know God right. waited Four generations. Yeah, to, to judge the Canaanites. Uh, flip over to Genesis chapter 15 when he's telling Abraham uh, your people will inherit this land." After and only after the sin of the Amorites has reached its full measure, so he's patiently waiting mm-hmm. on these people groups to exhaust uh, their opportunity for repentance. And when they ha- when they fully exhausted that, when the- when their sin has reached its-, its zenith, only then will he use Israel to judge them. Mm-hmm.
1: I think what's so radical about this redemption story, and I was just thinking about it, John, when you were talking, is that we do still live in a time culturally where there is worship of anything and everything other than God. Mm -hmm. And yet we are still called to live in that. You know, We're thankfully not called to go take out whole nations anymore. That's not how God, but we still have this empowerment of the Holy Spirit that allows us and equips us and prepares us to continue to live. And the, the calling we have when we are reconciled to God is to love other people. And so it's just kind of this, I don't know if I'm making sense, but this is like radical piece of the whole story when you start with what you're describing and mm-hmm. how God uniquely uh, revealed himself and worked through and around Israel and then all the way to modern context today. Mm-hmm. Because now we are, I, you know, we are still living in a culture and a world that finds false gods mm-hmm. in security and things other than the God, and yet we're called to live in that and when and through a relationship with God to just to love other people. Like it's just this. Whole, I don't know. It's just. A, I, it's I was a like seeing. The, yeah. Like this. If you, it's the whole story. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a huge kingdom timeline. It's not just this, you can't just pick this one piece of it and say, oh, I don't like how God said to go wipe out this nation. Well, if you look at it in just that slice, yeah, mm-hmm. that's super uncomfortable. That should make you feel uncomfortable, but that's not the whole story. It's not the whole-
2: Of redemption. Yeah, right.
1: and that, um, I don't know, when you were talking, I was like, and today our calling's to love. It's right. so different than right. it was. That's very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's because of Jesus.
2: Right. It's interesting, our calling is to love. In a in a part, so to the guy at BlackBerry. Back to the original question. Yeah. To the guy at BlackBerry, I'd say um, that God is still a God who has the right, the authority uh, to judge, mm-hmm. and His judgment is was different um, to the land of uh, the the peoples of Canaan, but uh, He's still a God that has the authority over my life, and I need to recognize that and and that's why Christ came and we can escape judgment through faith in Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I would, I would
0: ask, well, what, what answer would you be comfortable with me giving you where we'd walk out of here and you'd be like, praise yeah. God, I'm going to accept Christ right <laughs> now. <laughs> right? But I mean, really, like, do right. you want to hear, Well, I want to know, what would you like to hear that would make this, because we're talking about, and I, when things like this come up, I usually go back to Jesus, like, because it's just the, the clearest way because, you know, most Americans that we're going to talk to at Blackberry Market we'll have a context and a reference for this, right? So I would just say we're talking about a God who sent his son, also known as himself, Mm -hmm. to live a perfect life and then be not only humiliated, but just desecrated to the point of death, suffered immensely, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So clearly, like, you got to reconcile with that first. Like, what, you know, and then ask yourself, why, why did he do that? Well, so that you so you could be brought into communion with him so that you could know him so that you could you can be forgiven mm-hmm. like so we're we're clearly talking about somebody who <laughs> operates way differently than we would expect mm-hmm. way differently than we could can relate to thank goodness he operates differently I, I, than we do and mm-hmm. that's and that's where I'm going with it that's where I would go with it like cool. man and at the same time you you do i I'm in, becoming increasingly more comfortable with the idea that uh, and I've been meditating on this verse all summer. But the, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, mm. even the wicked for the day of, of trouble. Mm. Like, that's tough. That's mm-hmm. tough. But it's it's. I become. I think the more I meditate on that verse, which is Proverbs, I think 16 or 17, the it, the more I'm comfortable I become with the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Next one. This is, okay, this is John last week, because in case you didn't know, John preached twice.
1: (laughs) Give him credit. Give credit where credit is due. (laughs) Yes. The credit. That was a great opening story for this week. Painful, I kind of got mad It nail. is, it is. It was Everybody's so had that kind of,
3: painful. That, you've had that level, some yeah. some experience like that to some level, right? Whether it's like- 100%. Yeah. Just an idea like in class when you're in junior high or like, wait, that was my idea. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Or if, <laughs> Or to nuance it if someone doesn't give you all the credit, just right. a little bit of it. Yeah, well, we were talking and it's like, wait a minute. No, I just came to you. No. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. In the, for This is from August 7th. In the sermon, John said that discipline from God isn't necessarily punitive. Can you dive into that a little bit more? When is God punitive and when is his discipline aimed at redemption? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with
3: the uh, hearer's interpretation of the word discipline because I think a lot of times when we hear the word discipline, we only think of punishment for wrongdoing, right? Like you did something wrong and so you have, now you get disciplined. But that's not really what discipline is. Like there's proactive things that we can do in putting restrictions on ourselves or as a parent on our children to help grow them and and discipline them, shape them like a, like a coach, you know, Hey, we're going to do this exercise and we're not going to eat this food. And we're, that isn't because they've been being punished. That's because they're being honed and shaped and developed and grown into something um, that's a better version of where they are when they start. And so I think a lot of what we experience from, god in terms of things that may feel restricted restricting or things that feel hard or challenging or that we you know the obedience that's required in you know i mean i know there's times we don't want to open god's word or we don't want to go in prayer or we'd rather behave a certain way than restrict our our thoughts our bodies our decisions and so um, but that that isn't always punitive god isn't god isn't always punishing us because of things that we've done when he calls us to restrict our lives or to choose certain things and not choose other things. And so I certainly do think that there's challenging seasons that we go through that may come our way because we need to be punished and it's a different form of, of discipline. But I certainly don't think that every challenging season of life that we go through is because we've done something wrong and God is punishing us. Yeah. There actually may be hard seasons that we go through that, man, we are, we are closer to God and feeling in lockstep with Him and His call on our life. And we're, we're working our best to, to be humble and righteous. And then something really, really hard happens. And we look at that and we, and we think, well, I felt like I was doing everything right. Why did this bad thing happen? Well, I think there's a mindset shift that needs to take. Maybe the bad thing happened because you were doing everything right and God sees more for you, wants to refine you even more through that experience, knew that you were ready to handle it and that this is going to be a witness to the watching world or a, a testimony of encouragement for somebody 10 years from now. We, we don't always know the plans of God, but I just think we need to be careful when we go through a hard spot or go through something that's challenging to say, well, I must have screwed up. God's punishing me. Mm -hmm. It could be the absolute, complete opposite Mm -hmm. of that, that we are going through something hard because God loves us so much. He wants to draw so close to us, and he wants to walk us through that, and he cares for us, and he sees so
2: much for us on the other side of
0: it. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's great.
2: Punishment, uh, you know, theologically... Eternally, Christ took the punishment that we deserve. So, as believers, we know that Christ absorbed the consequences of our sin as He suffered in the flesh. Um, And we know from Hebrews twelve that God disciplines those He loves. uh, Loves and John, I think you're right. I think we need to look at our hardships from a different vantage point. In fact, there's some more questions along this line, but we need to see our hardships as uh, as discipline. God's allowing us to endure. And uh, he's allowing us to uh, to be shaped by our difficulties, and then I'd insert a third word here: consequences. Mm -hmm. You know, the Canaanites were being punished uh, by God for their uh, sin, and Israel was doing the punishing. It was a temporal punishment. So many times when we think of punishment, we think, "Oh, it's eternal. Am I Mm going to suffer in hell?" Mm -hmm. But but there's a, another word I'd insert is consequences. There are natural consequences. If I, if I speed and get pulled over and have to pay a ticket, well, those are natural consequences uh, for stupid um, actions. Um, so I, I like what you're saying, John, that we frame hardships as God's children being allowed he's allowing us to endure difficulty because he loves us and wants to see our character shaped. Matt and I were talking earlier this morning mm-hmm. while we were making our own coffee uh, just about how hardship is meant to produce character mm-hmm. and then character hope. So, um, And at the same time, I mean, I,
3: I, there's been times where I've um, like prayed with people or or have talked with people and I'll ask the question like, is there, is there some unconfessed Sin that you you want to confess now—that's you know—that's linked to what you're going through. Mm. Because I do think that there's times where you know we're hitting a wall or we're facing frustration, and it's it's because we're unwilling to let go of something—a sinful pattern of behavior, an entanglement, or something like that. And and again, that that feels like discipline. Um, so
2: you're just saying some are some suffering sometimes. Is is just uh, a part of our willfulness? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, our yeah, sinfulness. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would.
3: Yeah. I mean, we've we've we know sometimes that um, what I'm trying to think of the passage. Um, your prayers are unanswered because of of how you're treating other people, um, and and so we know that there's there is a link that our, to our behavior in how we interact with God. Our disobedience has consequences to your to your point. I brought that up yesterday, but that's not always a punishment from it's not everything we do is not simply being punished.
2: So husbands, John was referencing, First Peter, husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives, treat them with respect, as the weaker partner, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Husbands, if you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, you might assess how you're treating your wife. Right. Hey, and Bible Church, we want to invite you out this Sunday morning to a special service behind Lombard West High School at Lake Ellen Park. We'll gather as a congregation at 10 a.m. Music will start, we'll start singing about 10.30. Be an hour long service after the service, we'll stick around in the park as a congregation, share in a picnic together. So make sure that you pack a blanket or lawn chairs, as well as food for lunch and count on a really special time of fellowship. This service is a great service to invite friends to, family that may not have a church home. We look forward to being together outside this Sunday, August 21st. See you there. All right, uh, let's go to the next one, which
0: is on John's sermon from yesterday. Uh, God took the Canaanites' land from them because they were wicked. If we suffer today, is it because we are wicked? <laughs> if you are a Canaanite,
3: perhaps. <laughs> no. I mean, we kind of answered this yeah. question already. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I think it's, it's not the same. The Canaanites' punishment is not the... It's not, um I'm trying to find the word. This is descriptive. It's, it's not.
1: A direct correlation. Yeah, exactly.
3: It's not prescriptive for our lives today. Um, does God punish the wicked? I I certainly hope so.
2: And I, whether it's. Yeah, how bad, n- how horrible would it be to live in a world where the wicked were not expected to be punished? Right, yeah. right. And if you want to go to order on that, go to the Psalms,
0: right? The yeah. Psalmist laments a lot, like, look at the wicked. They just prosper and right. all they do and they flourish and they have no cares in the world. But then right. that Psalm always turns and and talks about trust in you. Right? Yeah, because the, the demise of the wicked is coming. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to know what the Canaanites felt and were experiencing in, in, in all of it that was going on. You know, mm-hmm. did some turn? Mm-hmm. To God, I mean, did well. We know that Rahab, yeah, Rahab, Jer- right? Jer- that's, that's
0: exactly right. Yeah, that's a good
3: point. Yeah.
0: All right, let's go to uh, let's go to the next one. This one's sort of intertwined as well. Um, how is God caring for other nations? It's beautiful that He loves and acted faithfully towards Israel, but what plan does He have for the other nations?
2: Yeah. I always <laughs> like to say that God. chose Israel not simply for special favor, but for special service. We all have that elementary experience, I'm assuming, where the dodgeball teams or the kickball teams are being selected and you're always wondering, am I gonna get chosen? And then there's the kid or kids that are left out and they're not chosen and it always felt so unfair and so prejudicial and so biased to these poor little kids, the unathletic, not getting chosen. And we tend to think of the Canaanite nations like that. A cosmic um, choosing up of teams. Israel gets chosen and all these other uh, nations getting rejected, but that's not what's going on from a cosmic level. We know, in fact, Israel was chosen for special service. It, their service was to bring the Messiah, hmm. the man of redemption, the God-man Christ. And uh, so flip, fast forward to the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter seven, verse seven, God's caring for all nations, all tribes, all languages who will be represented before the throne of God, uh, that he's caring for them in Christ. And so yeah, you know, without a doubt, God at a temporal level is judging the Canaanites by um, <laughs> dispossessing them of their land, what a word! Uh, taking their land from them and giving it to Israel, but it's because of the Canaanite sin. It's not. It's not for no good yeah. reason. And God's faithfulness. Yeah, the, He the, had made
3: the, promises, right? That yes.
2: And He made those promises because He foresaw uh, both uh, the sinfulness of the Canaanites and the need for redemption through Israel's Messiah.
3: Mm-hmm. Someone raised to me that um, we didn't spend a whole lot of time on the end of chapter 8 where it says, if you don't do these things, I will completely annihilate you, Israel, and I will wipe your name from the face of the earth. And you know, yeah. and, and we know that Israel didn't act faithfully. Yeah, faithfully. yeah. And th- this person raised to me, um, just do a historical study on what, wind up, what wound up happening in Jerusalem I mean, it's a horrific right. amount of sin <laughs> yeah, yeah. that the Israelites were a part yeah. of, and they, inter, they they worshiped other gods, they did horrific, sinful behavior and, and they were removed <laughs> from the promised land. They were sent <laughs> off yeah. to Babylon. but in God's mercy, he brought them back. Yes. And so there's this ongoing um, choosing. And, and being faithful and then being unfaithful, and then God coming back and God continuing. And there's, we've talked about this before, but there's, there's um, covenants that are, that are not based on anything that Israel can do. They're not merit based covenants. I mean, these are covenants that God's going to do. And one of those covenants was that you're going to get the land. Whether you get to keep it and whether you thrive in it is up to you. And which generation gets it. Yeah, exactly. And so the you know the the covenant with Abraham is different than the covenant with yeah. with Moses yep. and and God is faithful to Israel in a in a a way that doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. in so many ways that they continue to like they act just like the nations that they dispossessed in just yeah a number of years. And so the picture my point is the picture of God's faithfulness to Israel um is something that we should
0: mm-hmm.
3: we should recognize as well.
1: And we are we are Israel so often, right? Where we're faithful to God and then we walk away and then we're drawn back into him where he's constant, right? His faithfulness doesn't waver, but we do just like Israel did. So there's so many parallels that draw out of um seeing how we can look and see, well, how could they have been so ignorant? How could they have forgotten so quickly about mm-hmm. God's faithfulness? Or how could they have walked away when God was so evident in their lives and how he provided for them? But yet,
0: yeah.
1: somehow, some way, I yeah. find myself having those same questions. And there's a lot of parallelism, I think, between that relationship that I see in myself today.
3: Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> when you brought that up, it made me think of, um, I thought you were going to say something else, oh. but I loved what you just said. No. <laughs> What um, should I have said, John? No, no, no <laughs> that's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, it's interesting when the question of how is God caring for other nations, kind of what's the plan for other
1: nations? Yeah, right. The question.
3: Yeah. And one of the dangers I think is for nations, including our own, but it's true for others as well, that they put themselves, themselves, their nation, in the place of Israel in the biblical. Story. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Now,
2: what nation would do that? (laughs) There's lots of nations that do it, and
3: ours is particularly. America loves to do that. uh, It's it's, um, particularly one that America likes to do. Well, we used to could. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. And we just need to be careful, right? We need to be careful that there are promises of God that are trans multinational yeah all people global for God to love the world and then there's promises of God and actions of God that are very specific to the nation of Israel Mm -hmm. and and we need to be careful that we don't insert our country into Mm -hmm. those places Mm -hmm. making you know America God's nation or yeah whatever that that scenario um, or you know France or whatever and so
1: I was going to say true confession I sometimes struggle with that like I feel like it takes a a deep word study to understand is this for the nation of Israel or is this for all people and then I always fall back on the scripture that talks about how the gospel is for both Jew and Gentile (laughs) so I'm always like okay well I fall into one of them so I I, I feel like I'm covered at the end of the day the the gospel is still for me uh, and you know I rest in that but um, anyway I I
2: think it's a great warning I think we need to be careful that we don't try to usurp the unique role that Israel is to play in redemptive history. You read Romans and uh, God's still not done with Israel Mm -hmm. and the true Israel, uh, meaning those that are, that are placing their faith in Christ. And so, but at the same time, Israel is Israel and America is not. And we need to, to be really careful uh, politically with how we, we, that we not usurp Israel's role or read ourselves back into the text, but we understand how unique Israel was for, and here's, here's the big, for the Gentiles, for the non-Israelites. Um, if we usurp Israel's role, we, we functionally undermine redemptive history we shoot ourselves in the foot right we shoot the (laughs) gentiles in the foot who desperately need a jewish messiah yeah absolutely right
0: you know and talking about the uniqueness of israel makes me when we're talking about other nations it makes me wonder i wonder how many nations if they could have had the the old testament the foreknowledge of what israel's relationship (laughs) with god would be like would be like yeah i I, we will do that or i'll opt out of that (laughs) Mm -hmm. no i'm saying like how many people would be like okay yeah please pick me like that it was a rough relationship and you know we talked about it
2: it did not come easy for them
0: no it didn't
2: and then the punishment it didn't go well for many
0: of them it didn't and then even when the messiah came most of them didn't believe like and so many are still waiting and so if you knew all of that how many nations would be like why didn't you pick me Uh. i think a lot of nations would be like i'm good (laughs) good.
2: i'll wait for the (laughs) the messiah
1: (laughs) (laughs) no thanks i also want to make sure we we throw in matthew 28 this question, because he's asking or she's asking about all other nations, and Jesus gives the great commission to go mm-hmm. and baptize, um, make disciples of all nat- nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So there's definitely a call to mm-hmm. all nations. All nations are to be um, evangelized to.
2: Yeah, I've just been reading through uh, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel, and just the work mm-hmm. of God to care. For Babylon, through prophets like Ezekiel and Daniel, uh, it, it's uh, and then I think of Jonah to Nineveh. I mean, God has is always Israel itself was to be a light to the nations. Mm-hmm. So God has always had His His eye on the world, and, and yeah. we're to have. Similarly, we're to, we're to love the world, all nations and peoples. And we should be extremely grateful for the
0: role Israel played. Like God used Israel to show what it would look like mm-hmm. to live with God without a Messiah. Mm-hmm. And life, it was tough. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's tough living. Yeah. There is a marked difference in life with God before
2: mm-hmm. the resurrection and yeah. after the resurrection. Yeah, Paul said no one's going to be justified by, by, through the law. Yeah. Yeah, but they had the law. They were given the law. and, right. and
0: so literally thank God for, for Israel mm-hmm. to show us what that was like. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. man. Um, okay, let's go to the last one. Uh, if the participation in the kingdom of heaven isn't a meritocracy, then what should motivate us to live a godly life? John, you finished your Come sermon. Come on, we are, we, did you, it's at the end of the sermon. It's good.
3: Yeah, it was really, really good. <laughs> it's a great question. I mean, I think it's the one that is, when you talk about like you can't merit God's favor, whether it's salvation or any kind of favor of God, right? Like you can't merit his favor. So what's the point? Why are we going through? Mm-hmm. And I tried to lay out, you know, that there's several reasons why we should live on mission with God. And it's good for us. It's how the kingdom advances. It's, it's what's best for our lives, our souls, our families, a disobedience to God and in, in th- the way he wants us to live and what he wants us to be a part of is, it's got real consequences,
2: right? Mm-hmm. It's not where we want to be. Yeah, you know, it's often said that Jesus is the wisest way to live. And, and the truth there is, there's more freedom and there's more joy in obedience. Mm-hmm. And there's death and, and difficulty and disobedience. mm mm-hmm.
1: I was thinking about this question this morning when I saw it, and I thought, "Okay, this is a good question. This feels like what is the purpose of life?" Mm. It felt like a really, it felt like a really good question. I just I felt like I had to sit before the Lord and and think about it and pray about it, and I don't have like a you know groundbreaking answer, um, but I do feel like something that came to me was how convinced I am that sin leads to death Mm -hmm. it just destroys your life Mm -hmm. and we could sit here for another hour and talk about so many other people that we know who we've watched this happen to sin has overcome their decisions and their desires and it leads to destruction and to death and you know the question is is why why live a godly life why pursue the callings that Jesus lays out for us in the gospels and um i just kept thinking because you overcame death mm-hmm. like i don't we don't have to live a life of destruction we can be reconciled to god who who loves us and cares for us and wants us to live a life of peace and joy and i i've been saying it a lot recently about that passage in John that says our joy is made complete and we don't have to live a joyless life. We don't have to live a life that's destructive.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It, doesn't, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy and we're not going to have all these you know, children mm-hmm. we're trying to raise who drive us crazy and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just the difficulties. But I think that was my answer this morning like, as I was praying through this was because sin leads to death mm-hmm. and sin has been overcome in Jesus. And no longer do I have to, to die to that anymore.
2: I'm, a, I'm afraid that this question is asked in part because um, we're not yet fully convinced that yeah. sin leads to death. Mm-hmm. That we love the fire insurance of uh, God's grace towards us through Christ. We love that we will escape judgment, eternal judgment, and we'll spend an, uh, an eternity in heaven. Um, but we're not convinced that following day in, day out here on earth is the wisest way to live. We think, well, we can toy with sin and that's going to bring us some level of fulfillment. Scripture's really clear that what Simone's saying, that sin brings death and that life and life to the full is found only in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would really push the question asked um, are you fully convinced that yeah. Jesus is the wisest way? I push us all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow.
3: The other thing, too, is I, I didn't get into a lot of this on Sunday, but the question of motivate you know, what motivates us to live a godly life? Nothing of yeah. our own is yeah. going to motivate us to live. Like, we'll have moments where we rally, hmm. but it's so clear in the text, in, in the passage in Titus where, that I read on, on Sunday. He saved us through the washing of of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You have to, the Holy Spirit inside of you, indwelling you is what gives you the motivation to want to pursue God. Mm. We are not going to fully pursue altruistically, naturally, Yeah our flesh is set against Christ. We cannot come up with enough self-motivation. Right. John 15
2: apart from me you can do nothing. Right. And so we we, we cry need
3: out. to cry out to the Holy Spirit and say, I am I am prone to wander, prone to wander. Mm. I'm captive in my sin, I'm drawn to it, I want to pursue it, and I need the Holy Spirit mm. to rescue me every single day. Not in that I'm being re uh, that I'm being born again every single day but I'm being, I'm being saved from myself day day. and renewed day by day and I think we need to turn down the volume of everything else in our life mm. and we need to turn up the volume of listening to the Holy Spirit the one who has been poured out on us through Jesus Christ that renews us you know that's, mm-hmm. that's what we need to rely on for, the, for motivation I think it, ties in with your last comment like do you really do we believe it Mm -hmm. yeah i mean if you know that the holy spirit is in your life and then you you need to turn that volume up that is what's going to motivate you
1: Mm -hmm. a follow-up question i would put forth do you really believe is is are you actually satisfied by the Mm -hmm. sinful decisions you're making or the choices you're making like, it's temporary. Mm-hmm. We've all been there. We've all made choices that we knew were not godly. And they're temporary. So that I think that would be like a follow-up question. Like, are you actually satisfied with what, you know, the decisions you're making? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah, we know sin is pleasurable for a season. Mm-hmm. And then it brings death. Mm-hmm. So we need to be really honest with ourselves. And we've all uh, made our way into sin. Only to turn around and say, oh my gosh, this is not where I want to be. This is not, this isn't uh, leading me where, this isn't giving me life. Right. Well, and culturally, we've made a lot of
3: the things that should cause more pain because of our sinful behavior, we've sort of medicated them away. Now, I'm not talking just about medicine, but like you can make really bad decisions and then you can get out of the consequences. Mm-hmm. In the community that we live in, it can you can sort of not feel the sting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of sinful behavior. Now, certainly there are some and there's certainly ways that we do feel and experience it, but sometimes not at the depth, I think that it's been intended because of the way that we can sort of
1: Mm-hmm. If it, you know, yeah, it's like, if it makes you feel good, do it. Yeah, or,
3: mm-hmm. you can find somebody. Mm-hmm. So let's say you make a really stupid decision, and you it's sinful and it's bad. You can find somebody really quick right. that will just right. help you justify mm-hmm. that. Or join you in and it, join comfort you in it.
2: <laughs> totally,
3: yeah. yeah. Some of the the natural, cultural uh, pain that comes from sin is, is been removed. Some yeah. of that is in our affluence. just It is. It is. Where Absolutely. we live. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah. We, we, can, we can, money can provide comfort for us even as we're killing ourselves spiritually mm-hmm. if we're not careful. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. That's frightening. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Which is the
3: power of the chapter before, Deuteronomy 8 the testing of Israel in their mm. poverty and in their, mm. yeah. In their that was a great yeah that point. was really good I, I did mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. Moses it was a Moses's mm-hmm. wisdom mm-hmm.
1: I side note I think you should start every sermon with how I am so excited to preach <laughs> this message it gets your whole like congregation oh, ready to go alright mm-hmm. here we go yeah it's contagious
0: yeah. alright it's a good one good job good stuff everybody, everybody. All right, that's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text next level podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions
3: on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith.
1: We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together.
2: Thank you. For joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the next level. Boom Prophecy.